So we're in week four of our summer series, A Better Way, and we're taking negative traits and finding out what the better way from the scriptures are. So today's negative trait that we're going to deal with is something called greed. Greed is an intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth. Now, when we think of greedy people, who do we think of? We think of people like this guy, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? All of you have seen the Christmas Carol. Uh, Scrooge had more money than heart. He wouldn't give his employees time off for Christmas. He refused to donate to charity. But as the movie and the book goes along, he was visited or scared by three ghosts, and he eventually changes his ways. Or you might think of somebody like this. Remember her? Veruca Salt, okay? Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, classic movie, right? Um, you know, when, when Veruca Salt found out that there was golden tickets to be had, she got her rich dad to buy out all the Willy Wonka chocolate bars in order to find the golden ticket. She wins the golden ticket. She goes to visit the chocolate factory, and right, she wants everything, right? I want an Oompa Loompa now, right? Um, <laughs> Then she winds up singing this song, I want the world, I want the whole world, and then she jumps up on that egg scale, and what happens? Does everybody remember? <laughs> Bad egg. <laughs> Goes down the chute. Okay, so clearly, clearly, these are extreme examples of greed, right? Extreme examples of people that are greedy, and more than likely, it's not us, right? More than likely, it's not us. But the truth is this. Greed is something that we hate in others, but tolerate in our own lives. Greed is something that we hate in other people, but we tolerate in our own lives. So what I want to do first is I want to look at the damage that greed can do in our lives. First damage that scriptures teach us is it causes fights. A greedy man stirs up strife. Our greed can cause us to fight. You've probably seen this time and again with people fighting over money and possessions. The second thing greed, second damage greed can do is it causes problems for our family. Whoever's greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. So basically our decisions based on our greed can sometimes put our family in jeopardy. Financially, we can put our family in jeopardy, but sometimes we can even compromise the physical safety of our family because of some of the bad decisions based upon greed and finances that we make. The, the third thing is, uh, is the damage greed can do is it's unfulfilling. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. So greed tells us, we will be fulfilled when we get what we desire, right? Greed tells us, you know what? You're going to be fulfilled if you have this much money or if you have this many things. You're going to bring, you're going to be fulfilled. But most of you realize that many times when we desire something and we attain it or achieve it, we're not as fulfilled as we thought we were going to be, which brings us to the next damage that greed does, and that's false contentment. It says, keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, talking about Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now this passage really talks about where do we find our true contentment. Is it in the Lord or is it in the things that we have? You see, when we look for contentment in things rather than the Lord, we actually pursue false contentment. Because the scripture says, like, you know, you'll never be content. 
You're always going to want more. And we see this illustrated right now, right? We see this illustrated right now. People just continually wanting more. Now, Socrates, the philosopher, said this. He who is not content with what he has would not be content with what he would like to have. You see that? He who is not content with what he has would not be content in what, think, what he thinks would make him content. Which brings us to the next damage, and that is this. It impacts our faith. In 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10, Paul talks to young Timothy. He says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So basically what, what Paul is doing for Timothy is he's painting a very clear picture. If you focus your life on acquiring money and stuff, it will impact your faith negatively. If you're joining the rat race, if you're focusing on all these things, it's going to negatively impact your faith. But now that we know the damage greed will do, how do we know if we're greedy? How do we, you and I know if we're greedy? This is not something that most of us would admit. Okay, I think we have to kind of test our attitudes towards what we have and what we desire. Now, Jesus, he actually helps us with this. He tells a parable that helps us to see what greed looks like. And it starts off in Luke 12. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? So big surprise here. Siblings fighting over an inheritance. Have you ever seen this before? Okay, we've seen this before. And nobody, nobody's a greedy one, right? I'm not greedy, they're greedy. Right? I'm not greedy, they're greedy. Nobody's going to admit their greed, right? So why did Jesus say, though, this to him? I'm not the judge or arbiter over you. Well, I mean, Jesus is ultimately all of our judge. But basically what Jesus was saying, his purpose here on the earth wasn't to take care of little spats like this, like be like a local judge, okay? Basically, that's what Jesus is saying. So now Jesus goes on and says this. And he said to them, all the people that were there hearing, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So now Jesus teaches a truth. Watch out that you do not covet and become greedy. Life is not about how much you have. You know, this kind of flies in the face of our culture, right, today? Because money and possessions equal power and importance, right? I mean, we see this all over the place. Like, you turn on any media source, right? What are the billionaires doing? Who cares, right? Who cares? But apparently people do, right? Apparently people are like, oh, these people are so important because they've achieved so much in life or they have so much money. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is not what your life is about. So Jesus tells him this parable. And this is how the parable goes. And he told, a par he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, 
You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Now this guy, he has a bumper crop, and when he does, his mind automatically goes to this. How can I hold on to as much as possible so I can relax for the rest of my life? So his plan is tear down his old smaller barns, build new bigger barns to store his goods for his future so he can relax. And some of you are saying, sounds reasonable, <laughs> okay? Sounds like a good plan. Invest in yourself, right? But here's what Jesus says in the parable. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So in other words, you spent your time building and making provision to store extra to keep for yourself. You lived your, you lived your life for yourself and not for God's purposes. Not for God's purposes. And guess what? God said to you, or God is saying to this man, you're going to die today. Okay? So now think about it. The, the future goal for this guy was so I can relax. So he had all these crops, and he's saying, well, you know what? I'm going to work more. I'm going to tear down, build back up so I could store to, to, to save for my future. And Jesus is like, duh, you have no future. Okay? His greed didn't allow him to truly live in the present. His greed didn't allow him to truly live in the present. That's tough, right? Jesus doesn't say this in the parable, but it's implied, and that is this. What you should have done is stored what you could store, right? You store what you store. You, you have your small barns. And then be generous with the extra. Now think about this for a second. Store what you could store and then be generous with the extra. Now this brings us to this question. How do we know if we're greedy? Hey, how do we know if we're greedy? Because most of us, like I said, we're not going to admit it, but answer this question. This is how you're going to know. What do you do when you have extra? And some of you are like, I've never been there, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so here's the thing. Some of you probably are aware of the teaching of Dave Ramsey, right? He's a Christian financial teacher, author, advisor. If you go on YouTube and type in Dave Ramsey, he has like thousands of videos where you can learn so much about finances and, you know, investments, all the, what a Christian should do. But the basis of his teaching are called the seven baby steps. And I'm not going to go through all these things, but basically he teaches about saving for unexpected costs, paying off your debt, saving for retirement, eventually paying your house off early. Early. But the interesting thing is this. He gets through all these steps. He goes through six steps, and then he gets to the seventh step. And the seventh step is this. Build wealth and be generous. Build wealth and be generous, which really brings us to what our better way is today. If you're greedy, you have to practice generosity. So Ramsey, if you listen to him at all, he always talks about how fun it is to give stuff away. Think about that for a minute. The world tells you, gain more stuff to have more fun to relax, right? 
That's what the world tells us. Gain more stuff to have more fun, to make your life more comfortable, to have more fun so you can relax, so you don't have to worry about anything. Dave Ramsey says one of the main things that we do is build wealth and be generous. And guess what? He finds joy in it. Other people that are doing this find joy in it. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do you buy stuff that you don't need? Why do you buy stuff that you don't need? And I would think the answer to that question is probably to have joy, right? To have joy. Because the truth is, stuff can bring a degree of joy, can it? I mean, let's be honest here. Stuff can bring a degree of joy. It reminds me of the 2019 surfing world champion, Idolo Ferreira. He's a Brazilian guy. He's about 25, 26 years old. And he's a famous pro surfer. I know about it. Most of you probably don't, okay? But here's what, on Instagram, if you go on a pro surfer's Instagram, there's all clips of them surfing. Well, Italo Ferreira has clips of them surfing, himself surfing. He was on a podcast, and they say, well, you know what? You have all these clips of you surfing, but you also have all these clips of you in your, like, cool house and in your suits and your gold chains and your car. And, like, they're basically, like, what's going on? Why are you so, like, kind of bragging about all your stuff? And basically, on this interview, he just owned it. He said, listen, he's like, I grew up poor in Brazil. I learned how to surf on the lid of a cooler. When I saw guys with gold chains, I took like bike locks and put them around my neck and walked around because I thought I was cool. And he said, having all this stuff makes me happy. He just owned it. Having all this stuff makes me happy. I was poor and now I'm not. Now you and I can't argue with that because we know that's why we buy stuff. I mean, we're, we live in America, right? We're so blessed. We have so much stuff we don't need. In fact, there's shows about people that have stuff they don't need. We call them, what? Hoarders, okay? What are you, what are you doing with that? Oh, no, I might need it someday, okay? <laughs> Trust me, you probably won't. So I'm sure stuff does bring people a degree of happiness. We're all testaments to that. But what Ramsey suggests is there's a better way. You can find joy in being generous, letting go. And if we're honest... Giving stuff that we don't need away is actually really fun, right? And the reason why I say don't need, because you can't give stuff you need away, right? I mean, you have a house, right? You need it, right? Somebody comes up, oh, I'm homeless. Well, here's my house. <laughs> Duh. Like, where are you going to go, okay? You need it. So some people might say, is that really being generous if you're giving away things that you don't need? And I would say, yeah, because there's always some way you can make money off it. There's always something you can figure out to do. There's always some way you can try to fill the void of happiness. But the truth is, you need X amount of money to pay your bills and to live your life. So what do we do? Because many of us might live Paycheck to paycheck. So now you're thinking, oh, cool, this sermon's not about me. I don't have extra. <laughs> you know? Well, here's the thing. What do you do if you live paycheck to paycheck, and although you may desire to be generous, you can't because you're in need? Well, here's the thing. I want to point out three mindsets in our culture that actually will stand in the way of us being generous and really living the way God desires us to. The first is this, the mindset of debt. Right? Our culture promotes greed because we have a culture of debt. Here's how it works. You can't afford to buy that. Well, you can borrow money. 
And guess what? They love to lend you money, don't they? You get all those offers, credit card. Here, you can put it on your credit card, and then you can pay the minimum payment. And for the rest of your life, you can pay off that awesome LED TV that you just bought, right? Because we have so much debt, we have a responsibility now to pay off that debt. Jesus tells us, pay off your debtors, right? So because we have those, that, those debts, now we have no room to be generous because all our money is going to paying our debts and all our time goes to working, right, to pay off debts. It all starts with our greed, right? It starts with our greed because we have this mindset of debt that we've been kind of taught inadvertently. Well, how do we challenge that? And this is going to be a big one. This one might blow your mind, right? How do you challenge that? Live below your means. Could you imagine doing that? Well, that's what we need to do, right? The next is this, the mindset of entitlement, right? I work hard. I deserve this. Other people have this or that, and I want that too. It's, I'm entitled to it. I mean, I go to work. I, I need this. I just do. I need this, right? Well, here's a way to challenge that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Think about that for a second. Maybe you've been saving money up, and you're saving money up, and then all of a sudden something shiny and new catches your attention. You can buy that, because now for the first time in your life, you have savings. And actually, you're probably getting interest right now. Wow, that's amazing. We don't get that. We didn't get that a couple of years ago, right? So here's the thing. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. That mindset, challenge that mindset of entitlement. The third thing is this, and this is the hardest one, right? Mindset of fear. We've worked hard, we've saved, we set up a life for ourselves, we hold tightly to what we have. We do that because we want to be prepared in case something happens. I heard a story about somebody who needed that, so we save it, right? That's not a problem until that mindset tells you that you can't be generous because you need this thing that you're thinking of letting go. Remember the bigger Barnes guy, right? He was like, I need to hold on to it. Remember God? Fool, right? Fool. So how do you challenge that mindset? Trust that God will provide. If you're going to let go, trust that God will will provide. So now that we know the damage of greed, now we know the mindsets that stand in the way of being generous, I want to look at what the benefits of generosity are. We're going to start right here with 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is truthfully where it all starts, because some of you are like, okay, I don't have any extra, so I don't have to worry about being generous, but this is really where it all starts, because we need to start with generosity. This verse is teaching us about giving to the Lord, and although the rest of my sermon is not going to be about giving to the Lord, it's going to, we're going to talk about generosity, this is where it all starts, because we give to the Lord, because he gave to us. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, right? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Okay, we are all sinners in need of a savior. Jesus is that savior. God the Father gave Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. 
He died on the cross, rose from the grave, and the scriptures tell us this, all who believe will have eternal life. When you believe in Jesus, you become a Christian. One of the main things that Christians do in our spiritual disciplines is we be generous to the work of the Lord. The scriptures teach a believer should give of our first fruits, meaning off the top. It's not necessarily about generosity as much as it's about obedience. So basically, here's what happens. When you make a budget, and hopefully a budget is not a foreign word to you, okay? When you sit down and make a budget, you don't go like this. Okay, got to pay this, 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 got to pay this. Okay, now I got to give to the church. What's left? Piece of lint, a nickel, and a button. Okay, here you go, Lord. That's not the way you do it, okay? The way you do it is you give from your first fruit. So you pray about it. And if you're married with your spouse, you pray about it and say, we desire to give this much decided in our heart to the work of the Lord. Now, some ask, well, how much should I give? And if you look at the Old Testament, it teaches between 10% and 23 and a third percent. You got any takers? 23 and a third, 23 and a third. Anyone? <laughs> no. Okay. You're probably not thinking that way. But here's what the New Testament teaches. You give as you're prospered. You give as you desire in your heart. You make this a priority in your Christian life and in your finances. Some of you might notice, like it says, reluctantly or under compulsion. Some of you might notice, like if you're newer here, you probably came to this church and you're like, yo, where, where, where's the offering plate? Where's that offering plate? Church I grew up when I was little, they had the offering plate on the stick. You ever have that, right? They bang you on the head if you don't give anything. Don't touch, don't touch, right? So here's the thing. We, over a decade ago, decided to put boxes on the wall, teach people about giving, give as you're prospered, and guess what? The Lord has always come through hasn't he? The Lord has always come through. The reason why we do that is we never want somebody to come into this church and say, this church is about money. All they want is our money. We want to say, nope, nope, nope. We want to give you the gift of eternal life that Jesus offers you. We want to tell you about that. The reason why I say it all starts here is because when you practice giving, here's what it does. It teaches you to be generous. And generosity brings joy. Generosity brings joy. The next benefit of being generous is fulfillment. One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. I don't believe that all the richer here is like, okay, I'm going to give this away. I'm going to give 20 bucks and you know it's going to multiply into 60. I don't believe that's what this is teaching. That's like a prosperity type teaching. What I do believe this is teaching, all the richer here isn't necessarily more money, but it's more fulfilled because you're generous. It's more fulfillment because you're generous. And the person that's greedy suffers because they're miserable. Remember the first picture I put up here? Scrooge? He wasn't a happy guy, okay? He was miserable, but he had a ton. The next benefit of generosity is provision. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it, it will be measured back. Jesus said that. Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Basically, what's going on here is when you're generous, the Lord pulls you through. 
This challenges that mindset of fear, doesn't it? If I let go, what's going to happen? The Lord's going to pull you through. Don't you worry about that. Don't you worry about that. There is no doubt in my mind that God will take care of you. Logically, I cannot explain this to you. Logically, it doesn't even make sense. Okay, it doesn't. But spiritually, and from what the scriptures say, this is how it works. Okay, this is how, I'm just the messenger, right? Okay, this is how it works. But the final benefit is this. We live with purpose. Paul, again, talking to young, young Timothy, says this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Paul paints a picture here. He says, hey, Timothy, you know what? The generous person, the rich, which is pretty much all of us, the generous person lives with purpose. They set their hope on God. They don't look and find their hope in all the stuff that they have. They're seeing that God has blessed me with this stuff to enjoy. Kind of tells, shows us, you know what? Hey, you know what? The, the cool stuff, the nice things and stuff we have. Yeah, God wants you to enjoy those types of things. But you know what? Be rich in good works. Don't be greedy with those things. Be rich in good works. Be ready to share. And the future that they're storing up for is more of a heavenly future because now spiritually we're working on our spiritual disciplines. It's not necessarily storing up for the golden years, right? It's storing up for what the rewards we have in heaven because of our obedience to the Lord. But then he closes off and says, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. You know what? Generous people, they truly live. They truly live. So rather than being greedy, the better way is to be generous. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for your word that it provides guidance. We're thankful for your word that it points us to who you are and what you've done. We're thankful for the fact that you are a generous giver to us and gave, us when we were in, gave to us when we were in our deepest need that nothing that we could do could ever pull us out, which was our sin. We're thankful, Lord, you were willing to give to us. We pray, Lord, for each person here. I pray for each person here. I pray, Lord, that they would deal with any seeds of greed in their life, that they would first be generous with you and obedient to what a Christian should do. And then, as they go through life, to look for opportunities to be generous to others, not holding on and being, being stuck with the mindsets that our culture has fed us. So I'm thankful again for each person that's here, Lord. And I just pray that we would be generous people. In Jesus' precious name we pray.